Alright everyone, welcome back to Southern Tom Foolery Unlimited, where we like to STFU for once and listen to the wise words of our guests. I'm your host, Zach Evans, joined as always by my good friend, your good friend, and our resident GM, Adam Kelly. Adam, how's it going, buddy? Good as usual, man. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for our guest today because we have some fellow Paizoverse podcasters on deck. Our brothers from the frigid Northlands, members of the failed Fortitude Save Collective, 2E Extraordinaires, purveyors of Northern shenanigans, and all-around cool dudes, Tyler and David from the MinMax Podcast. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. How's it going? You, you've met us, right? Like, <laughs> we do not live up to that introduction. <laughs> oh man, we're doing great today. We're doing great. Awesome, awesome. We're so glad to have, uh, blah, blah, blah. I can't talk today. We're so glad to have you here. That intro was kind of long-winded, you know? But anyway, <laughs> let's just get started. Tell us a little bit about the MinMax podcast, guys. Well, what was it, David? It's 2015? Yeah, it was 2015. We are all sitting in a buddy of ours' basement, and we decided... Hey, we should try this. We should try podcast. It wasn't a we. It was a me. I'm like, I I oh yeah, that's this. right. <laughs> that's right. And uh, we were in this terribly echoey basement with concrete floors and unfinished ceiling. And David brought in two mics and recorded us going through a. It was a module. Was that that was that one? It was broken chains. Yeah, it's when I ran, ran broken chains, which is a uh, like a one level module. For uh, original Pathfinder, and uh, we realized that the audio was awful, <laughs> and we also had like seven players, so it was very convoluted. It was difficult, and I still have those recordings too. I oh, I still have them. I still have it fully. I fully edited it. Maybe someday we'll release that as a bonus. But yeah, that was what we wanted to do, like literally in 2015, and uh, didn't really end up happening. And now. We moved to like a year ago. We have we hit our we hit our one year, not that long ago. Yeah, we started in August. For when we actually started doing it, legit, we coincided it with the release of Pathfinder Two E. We thought we want to do this. We want to get in on this awesome new system and try and learn it. Tyler binged the book overnight because he's an insane person. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. That checks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do. Uh, it, it was a lot of means and opportunity, really. Because at that time, we were all already playing remotely because I had moved away from the little town that we were all, you know, playing in originally. And it ended up being that it was just so easy to just hit the record button. And one of the things that we always like to do is we just like to play the way we've always played. And that's that's one of the things that you get when you're listening to us is you get the way that we've played for over a decade together. Tyler says it's just so easy to hit the record button as the guy who doesn't do the editing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel, it, I feel it's you. Just, it is actually a lot easier just to hit the record button. Exactly. Yeah, we try um, to be really close to the rules. Um, I mean, everybody except me does, and they hold me to account, and I edit out all my mistakes, most of them. And uh, 
That, well, is it, the, that is the power of the chair, right? It is. In your defense, David, <laughs> when you get rules wrong, the vast majority of the time you're screwing yourself. I, 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 it is against me. But yeah, we, we, we really, when we started it up, we wanted to be a place where people could come to try and learn to how to play Pathfinder 2E, this new system. We also wanted to have a lot of fun doing it, and we also really wanted to try and be TTT, or TTRPG ambassadors. And uh, all of us believe that these games are for everyone, and we just want to try and get as many people involved as possible. Absolutely. I was going to ask, how long have you been playing tabletop? But you said about 10 years. So what drew you into the hobby? Well, I've been playing for about 20 years. Well, I was oh. going to say pl- playing together for about... It, it hasn't been 10 years, Dave. It's been like, what, eight? I think we're out at like eight to nine years. Yeah, so pretty so close this, to a decade. This group is getting on 10 years here pretty soon. Um, wow. But yeah, David and I have individually been playing RPGs Over separately. Over yeah, yeah, so old. 20, 20, <laughs> about 20 for me. I started when I was about 13. Same. <laughs> David's older than I am now. What did you start with? 3.5 or 2E? Yeah, 3. Uh, I started yeah. right before 3.5. Well, actually, I think it was a couple years before 3.5 came out. So, yeah, I started with 3. Mm-hmm. 3.5 for me. So, is that how you ended up in the Paizoverse? You just didn't like 4E and wanted to stick with Pathfinder 1E when it came out? Yep. Man, absolutely, yeah. And that's a you know a tried and true story of, of uh, Pathfinder 1E players. You know, we're, the vast majority of us played 3.5. And it's kind of funny because, you know, there's, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but there's been a lot of comparisons of Pathfinder 2E to Dungeons and Dragons 4E. And so like, but now you guys are very much, you know, big in the 2E thing. So that's kind of an interesting, you you didn't want to go with 4E, but now you're all about 2E. Now I'm sure you'll, Tell me how it's I mean, not if, like 4 e at all. If I am being a hypocrite, it's mostly a hypocrite out of ignorance because I, I have not tried 4E since it came out, and I don't remember much about it. Yeah, I don't know anything <laughs> about it, to be honest. <laughs> and, and even from a personal standpoint, one of the reasons that I, I scoffed at 4E so hard was a lot of the a lot of the reasons why I get upset at people for not like giving 2E an honest shot because playing the game and reading the book are so vastly different um but you're right there are a lot of there are a lot of comparisons adam because uh logan bonner was one of the lead designers for fourth edition and he was he's one of the lead designers for second edition too so there are a lot of ideas there are a lot of similarities it has similar feelings but the one thing that tui has that fourth edition never had was variety in character creation. Yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the big things I remember about 4E is that when you're making a character, it is incredibly linear and incredibly dull. And Pathfinder is the absolute opposite end of the spectrum on that. It is incredibly open and uh, very exciting to create new characters. Yeah, so that actually kind of leads me to my next question. So excellent segue, gentlemen. Let's actually get into that. You guys are pretty strong proponents of Pathfinder 2E. And Tyler, specifically, I know that some of our discussions about 2E have really helped me broaden my perspective on a system that I was initially uh, apprehensive about. So what do you think are the greatest strengths and weaknesses of 2E compared to Pathfinder 1E? Well, compared to 1E... Um, well, 1E was, in, in it, for all intents and purposes... 
was Paizo cleaning up 3.5. Yes, that's right. exactly what it was. It's absolutely what first edition was. And 3.5, at the end of its life cycle, had the exact same issue that first edition had at the end of its life cycle as well, which is, as a publisher, you have to keep putting out content, right? But when you have so many splat books out there, at a certain point, there are so many flipping options that the designers can't rein balance in. It's yeah. nearly impossible. Yeah, I mean, I think I think both Pathfinder First Edition and Dungeons and Dragons Third, and then Three Point Five, had the same issue: is that they, the producers of them, Wizards and Paizo, had no idea that they were going to end up being as popular as they were, and the demand for more content was going to be so high. It is clear that with Pathfinder Second Edition, Paizo has gone into it planning for it to be as popular as it is and what I don't know how long their plan is for releases but it feels like they probably have everything planned like 6 years in advance. Yeah, and I'm sure everything's they have built like a, to fit. Well, the 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 base system seems a lot more stable to support yes. expansion, you exactly. know, because because as you said the design is there from the get-go. Here's how we expand here's the tools you use to create expansions as opposed to one e from what I gather is a lot of different brains, a lot of different ideas, a lot of different egos throughout the <laughs> ten years coming in saying, well, we're gonna take it this way, this direction that doesn't communicate with this group of developers and designers that are taking yep. a complete opposite direction, you know. Yeah, yeah. there's absolutely a unified front, a concerted effort on uh, the part of Pathfinder second edition to be it is what it is and i and i really good yeah and, and i've said it before um i don't know if i've mentioned it to you guys specifically but one of my favorite things is that and david said it as well but i like to say that the the system is very modular um it's go, it's going to be like he said to plan for the future it's very easy to plug things into the system and and the way that the math works out is it's just it's just a solid chassis it's a solid foundation to build off of so i know one of the big complaints that people have about second edition when it came out right out of the gate were a lot of carryover concerns from the playtest and the lack of options that pathfinder players are just used to uh, Pathfinder players are used to having, you know, a list of three dozen archetypes to pick from. Right. Yeah, but that that falls into that that space of managing your expectations. You know, it's Absolutely. like this this entitlement that you should have forty different classes at launch of any system is is just unrealistic. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And any system needs to start somewhere and have room to grow and. I mean, if that is your only complaint or reason to not play 2E, then it's just a patience thing at that point. Yeah, because, I mean, new classes are coming out all the time. Oh, yeah, they're already... Yeah, we're getting I mean, there. They mm-hmm. released the APG. They're already playtesting the Magus and the Summoner for next mm-hmm. year's release of... Uh, I don't know what they're calling it. Secrets of Magic, I think. I think so. I think that's right, um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, if there's one thing that Paizo does very, very well, is they're a content-pumping machine. Yeah. They, yeah. they they push out content all of the time. And uh, especially with the advent of Starfinder and the their adventure paths are probably their, I would say, probably their biggest moneymaker, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, they definitely make a lot of money off their subscriptions. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, as far as tabletop RPGs go, I'm... 
I'm going to say this and it's going to sound crazy because we do a podcast, but I don't have the time like I used to when I was a teenager to build my own homebrew worlds and make my own adventures any longer. So I like having interesting stories to work as a skeleton, uh, to have the party throw meat onto for those adventure paths. It's just, it's nice to have. And Paizo does such a good job delivering that on a consistent basis. I know Absolutely. Tyler is kind of meandering and getting off the topic, but just to, just to, just to, I want to say one thing. I am also completely willing to admit that I am not as good at creating adventures as the people who work for Paizo. So I love having their <laughs> adventures yeah. to play. So strengths and weaknesses of 2E. What, what, what are your favorite um, things? Strength is, strength is uh, if you want to talk meta, it's character creation and being able to make whatever you want to make. If you have an idea for a character, you can figure it out. The possibilities are incredibly uh, open. Uh, also, the action system is a strength. The three action system is, I think, the best I've encountered in a TTRPG. Weaknesses, um, it's very crunchy. If you don't like crunchy, if you want something that's more uh, narratively driven, then uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition is not going to be the system for you. I think that depends on the table. I, I think that's, for me, between you and I, David, that might be an arguable point. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking in broad terms. I do prefer narratively driven adventures uh, rather than combat and crunch driven adventures. But I still tremendously prefer Pathfinder 2nd Edition over 5th because when I have a narratively driven adventure, I want a character that fits exactly in what I want to do, which you just can't do with 5th. Right. I, that's, I think. Like, that's more so on how a, a table approaches the game, yes. right? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. It's all up to your individual table. I mean, you know, there there is this notion that Five E is is built to make a more narrative game, and I guess it can be reduced to that. I think the why Five E is able to do that is because there's less brain power required to keep yeah, up you with have, you don't the, have to the keep up with anything. You just kind of. Do it. But that that doesn't necessarily make its mechanics more narrative. It just means mm-hmm. that there's more brain space when you're playing 5e to to do that, which is what makes it such a great introductory system for it people is. because you, it's a, a lot of people are also learning how to role play for the first time when they're sitting down to play a TTRPG, which yeah. is a whole skill set that is not quantified by mechanics, you know. I can also say, you know, I've run two different uh, 5e, uh, I don't know what they call them. They don't call them adventure paths, but whatever. Modules. They call call their APs modules, and then there's a whole other thing that's a module separate (laughs) from APs in in Paizo. Yeah. yeah. I've run two modules for uh, uh, 5th edition, and I can say that without question their modules are more narratively designed than pathfinders ap's i would agree with that i would agree with that that most of the way that wizards designs their modules is much more free-flowing yeah here's kind of a sandbox and here's some general plot points that you need to make happen but there's it's not as on the rails as ap's are. well to that point having talked to some writers of ap's now it seems that squeezing in that word count to make those release schedules is the biggest limiting factor to actually fleshing out some of that narrative aspect within the APs. Right. 
They have, mm-hmm. yeah, they have like like we were talking about in our first topic. They have a vision. This is what it's going to be, and then they kind of hold to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, speaking of APs, let's dig into the show a little bit. So, Min Max started with Fall of Plague Stone. The day it came out. (laughs) So how was going into something that was so fresh and uncharted, um, you know, while having to record that for an audience? And also, as a secondary question, did you find that module to be as hard as its reputation suggests? Um, Okay, so for... I want to touch on Plague Stone itself real quick. Because the more research I do about Fall of Plague Stone, the more I'm finding that Bowman, when he wrote that adventure, he wrote it and finalized it before the 2E rule set was finalized. Mm. And knowing that and 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 something else that, that is really um, kind of part and parcel with 2E is that your creatures are not just player characters with creature templates thrown on they almost follow their own rules on t- you know that go along with the base of the game you know they still use three actions etc um but they're not built the same way that pcs are uh, one thing that first edition and 3.5 had is that you know when you were looking at a monster stat block for 3.5 and for for first edition you would have of feats listings and those were feats that were available to players in second edition that doesn't exist yeah the monsters don't necessarily have to follow the same rules as the players do no and so when you don't have the rules quite finalized in making it i think bullman himself has even said it was harder than he meant it to be but we only had one character death (laughs) that's true that's true um as far as as far as like recording day one afterwards I mean what is it? it came out on August 1st and we actually did our first recording on the second was it David well no we did our first recording on the first that's our session zero and then we recorded our first recorded and released our first episode on the second yeah that's right that's right <laughs> recorded uh, and released <laughs> yeah so we so yeah. we sp- spent all night studying the book recorded a session zero I spent all night editing it then the next day we recorded session one of Fall of Plaguestone and I spent all the night editing it and got it up. Wow. <laughs> wow. True. Yeah, it was it was a little nuts. It was um, but it was fun. Like that's what we wanted. Was. We wanted to and, and I think we've seen the benefits of it. You know, we were one of the very first ones out there doing two E and You had to be the first. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like well, okay, so yeah, as far as doing like official two E content, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what we wanted. Yeah, and that's what that part goes kind of back to your first question. We we had the means and the opportunity because we we actually had dropped down to a four-person party a couple of weeks before second edition came out, and we all just kind of sat and stared at each other over Zoom and went, let's do it. This is it. This is the perfect time for mm-hmm. us to go in and start podcasting with a four-person party, which is what we always wanted. Well, it was mostly like three of us said that, and then the other two are like, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, that's that's how everything goes with Spencer and Ted, though. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was fun, honestly. I didn't I didn't pull an all nighter, but I think I got like three hours of sleep the night before the first recording because mm. I plowed through that book as much as I possibly could have, and definitely didn't have a full grasp of it after oh, no. that time, you know. And how can and, you? Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know, going back and I listened to some of our early episodes, there were a couple of rulings that occurred that I was like, oh, that's not how that goes, <laughs> or even 
another thing that kind of shot us in the foot to a degree uh, was Arata. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Arata yeah. really shot us uh, because in our first couple of sessions, um, like our very first session, we got into the death and dying rules in our first combat. Right. Yeah. Um, As, welcome yeah. to 2E. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and it wasn't, there was a print error where it said two different things in two different places in the book. So we argued about that for a while, I remember. Um, yeah. So yeah, it even even still we don't get everything right, but we really we really go through lengths to try. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a lot, you know, and and extremely impressive, guys. I mean, give yourselves a round of applause for that because that that's an impressive feat to get that out so quickly. Well, and I mean, as far as your adherence to the rules, I mean, it's it. I've used this show as a way to learn to e, you know. And I think you guys do a great job of that, too. And I know for a fact that there are a lot of others out there that have come to you for that reason and have learned how to play this game through MinMax. So I think that you have definitely accomplished one of your main goals that you set forth. So well, well done on Just, that. <laughs> well, we haven't started talking about Starfinder yet. Dave, so. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, take, God. take the compliments where you can get them. Right. <laughs> so before we get to Starfinder, I just want to keep talking about your 2E games a little bit. Um, you followed Plagueson up with the Extinction Curse AP. So why did you guys decide to go with Extinction Curse over, say, Age of Ashes? So I think anybody who listens to our podcast knows that is, they're swearing on your podcast, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> that, that we're absolute and total fuck-offs. And, like, we just <laughs> like we just go out there and be crazy. And so we hope a plan the whole time was to start running Age of Ashes. And then by the time we were done with Plague Stone, we heard that Extinction Curse was coming out. And so kind of the decision was twofold. One, we were already so far behind all the other podcasts doing Age of Ashes, and there were so many of them doing it, we thought, nah, let's get on the ground floor of Extinction Curse. And the other was, we get to be circus performers and fuck off. Perfect. So that uh, it really definitely suits our group better than I think Age of Ashes does. And also, then again, we were able to be the first ones out with an Extinction Curse podcast. I think we had our first episode out the day after it launched. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I recall correctly, well, we did our first recording of it the day after it launched, and we had to fill the gap between Fall of Plague Stone and Yeah, there were a couple weeks where Curse. we had finished Fall of Plague Stone before Extinction Curse was out. Yeah, right. so that was another one that we jumped on right away. Um, I, and I don't necessarily think that those episodes suffer for it either, because to a certain no, extent... I think our first episode of Extinction Curse is one of our best ones. I agree. I agree, yeah, I I agree that with one. that. Uh, um, but yeah, even even still, we uh, we kind of... We're a fly-by-the-seat-of-our-pants group anyways. We always have been. Um, and like we said earlier, we just wanted to give people what we've always been doing. So we didn't think that we wanted to change how we did things narratively or with our flow which David cuts out most of the bullshit anyway. <laughs> well, we do a lot of rules look up because we do want to get things right. And also yeah. we make, we, you know, it's, we, we bullshit a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that does give that at the table feeling, right? And, yeah. and you, you, you want to, I think one thing that has, we've said before in GM happy hours and just on all of our discords that friends playing at the table is kind of what, is a unifying factor across all, all of this, you know, and that's what you're really, yeah. that's what sets, sets a podcast apart in my opinion, you know? Well, that's why I end every episode with a clip of Tyler saying, it's your turn. I, I've yeah, always wanted right. to try and make it feel like 
anybody's listening to it is just there with us having a good time. Yeah, you know the classic meme. How it feels listening to a podcast where the guy's sitting there. Yeah, the, the guy sitting next to the yeah. billboard of the. That, yeah, that, it's, that, I is, love that is that. the goal. You know, <laughs> it's so funny, but it's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right, so David, Yo. you guys have recently started a Starfinder game as well, which I am yeah. very excited about. Uh, Min Max in space, and that's yes. that's three A's, I believe, in space. <laughs> I, right? It varies. It's never the same. It's never the same. We're going to go with three for the sake of brevity. <laughs> All right. Uh, but so, David, you are GMing this time. Yeah. Are you enjoying running Starfinder? And also, Tyler, are you enjoy getting to be a player for a change? And also, what do you guys think of the system and setting? Oh, God. Of setting is Starfinder's strength far yeah. away. When I first read about Starfinder, I was so erect for it. And uh, I just as we as we all were, sir. As I, we it, all were. The every little bit of information I could consume about it just increased the hype. And then when it came out, and I saw the book and the art, and the book was so much better laid out than the original core for Pathfinder. I'm like, oh, oh my yeah. god, they've so they've got this so right. And oh, I love the Starfinder setting. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, as we've played more 2E, I kind of wish some of the 2E rules were in Starfinder, but it's all right. It's still a very, very good system. So as far as the system goes, love it. And uh, I ran half of uh, Dead Suns when uh, Starfinder first came out before we got distracted and went on to something else, which we always do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've, I've DM'd Starfinder before, and I still love it. Like, it's it's so good. Yeah, absolutely. And Tyler, are you are you enjoying getting to be a player this time? Uh, I'm enjoying getting to be a player in a system where it's hard to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's a it's a it's a meme at our table. Uh, I am probably the worst player at our table. Yeah, well, don't There's worry. No probably we'll, about it. There's we'll no problem. Yeah. We'll get to we'll that. We'll get there. We'll get there. Questions. Okay. Yeah. Don't okay. worry so about be- that. So before we get to that point, then, um, <laughs> I, I really enjoy playing. Uh, there's there's one thing that Starfinder does phenomenally is making the mechanics reflect the the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way that the class mechanics play out. Like I'm playing a Witch Warper in our in our campaign, and when I read through that class, I was like, I want this. This is so perfect. I didn't even have a character idea in mind. I I. I built Vale after reading the Witch Warper um, based on the mechanics and and I love how meshed those two things are, the yeah, mechanics and the setting yeah, they really are yeah, like absolutely. you don't think about that with a traditional fantasy RPG like uh, like Pathfinder because it's like oh of course there's a monk and of course there's a fighter and of course there's a wizard, you don't think about how those are so in our brain intrinsically tied to the setting and then Paizo goes and creates a whole new space setting and creates these classes and these uh, ancestries that are so perfectly tied into that setting. Uh, it's just all beautiful. Well, and they did a good job of not just like reskinning. Right. No, yeah, yes. so you know I mean? It really is. There yeah. are there are some parallels and some analogs, but it's not one for one, really. It's not. There's, no. it, they, they all have their own different flavor, and, and, and it's Distinctly sci-fi or, or or science fantasy as opposed to high fantasy, yeah. which I definitely prefer sci fantasy over sci-fi. Just same, myself personally, same. Yeah. No, like it's not even close, you know, it's, and it's not even close. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when you're talking about you know uh, a space world with magic, 
I mean, you're you're playing a tabletop RPG. You want it to be fantastical. Of course, you throw magic in that bitch. Like I yeah, feel, I yeah. feel nostalgic for playing Starfinder right now as we talk about it. <laughs> I know. Like, I, anytime it comes out, I'm like, I wish I was just playing it. Yeah. You know what kills me about Starfinder, and, and I'm so glad they decided not to do this. When we did our interview with Jason Tondro, we kind of discovered that uh, it wasn't supposed to be a long form thing. It was supposed to just fill a gap, and it went <laughs> so well. Ah, I see what you did there. I did That's that. A joke. That's a <laughs> no, I just got it too. Went over nice. Fill the gap. Uh, I'm so glad that they stuck with it because. Yeah. It yeah. fills a space that doesn't really exist. Is that another one? Did you just try yes. to do another one? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. That was giving him too much credit, David. <laughs> yeah, I know. He doesn't. He has no idea what he's even saying. <laughs> um, but I think, I, I think it's so unique, and it, it it hurts me to know that the numbers aren't as far as like sales for Starfinder aren't what they should be. Not enough people are playing this game. It's an amazing game. Well, we're we're trying to do our part to get the to spread the word of Starfinder out there, and you guys are too with your with your new show, uh, David. As the GM, and you are doing a homebrew, yeah, uh, for this. You know, where are you getting your inspiration for the story that you're telling, and, oh, and for the setting that you've you've provided for your players here? Well, I just use the setting. You know, I'm taking everything straight from the core and the Pack Worlds book. I'm using their setting. Um, the story, I just, in the, our last recording session, really dropped the, the big clues as to where this story I've been telling is coming from. And they told me I couldn't do it. They told me I had to re-record it and not do what I did. What? <laughs> uh, For it, a my, super specific reason. If I'm going to be honest, uh, it, my, my story just comes from real life. Uh, honestly, I am mirroring it off of current events and I got gotcha. pretty political <laughs> in, oh, okay. uh, in, uh, in what I was doing and so it's still but pretty I mean, political art it imitates life and all that sort of thing too right, right? like yeah, exactly. I mean yeah. and if that's what you're passionate about and that's what you're feeling there you got you got to reflect that in some way you know I, I understand that you got to be careful and kind of toe the line a little bit but I think that's as good a place I, I, as any to pull some inspiration from, you know? I still think it's pretty okay, you know, universally to say fascism is bad. Yes, and uh, and to tell a story. <laughs> That's an about easy that. one. That's an easy yeah, one. It's that pretty easy. <laughs> it's a little more controversial right now than it probably should be. But yeah, than uh, it yeah. should be for sure. That's basically yeah. the story I'm telling. Okay. Well, uh, how are you? I'm just quick follow up question, I guess. As as the GM of a podcast that is known for following the rules you've taken uh, a different approach oh, yeah. with with starfinder <laughs> and, and you know and uh, I'm, I'm giving you a little hell here i know that you're fine. mostly trying to to follow the rules there but because you're so entrenched in the 2e rules one of the things i've noticed is some of that kind of coloring oh, how you're interpreting the the mechanics of starfinder how is it for you as a gm with mechanically trying to keep up with with what's going on while still keeping one foot firmly planted in 2E. Well, I have the tremendous advantage of having in our podcast a guy who goes by the name Swanee. And uh, <laughs> Swanee is... I The amount of minutia that he can retain in his brain for uh, these tiny little things in the rules that I would never even catch is astonishing. My brain just doesn't work that way. So... 
Uh, he keeps all of us pretty honest with just about everything. And Dude, so he's so our secret weapon. Yeah, it doesn't it well, doesn't come through in the recordings because I cut it all out mostly. But he. Well, I was going to say his delivery going. is is also you know something you really want from your rules lawyer. Like it's very calm and collected and not yeah. argumentative. But it's just like, well, this is what it is. Well, is, and, is and we're not going to argue how with this. Him. Works. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> we just know. No, yeah, nobody. We don't argue with Swanee. So anyway, I do. I do do my best to try and stay on the rules. I am certainly not as meticulous about it as really anybody else in our podcast. I am much more loose, but I try to get most of them right. And for the most part, the group catches me when I'm doing something wrong. And I think as a DM, particularly if you're more of a narrative DM, which I am, Tyler is much more of a rules DM. I'm not saying that Tyler can't do narrative; he can, but he's much better at rules and more meticulous with rules than I am. If you are a narrative DM like me, don't worry if your par- or your players are correcting you. It's fine. Just just go with it. Play it right. If that's what your table is, that's that's what I'd right. say. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. And players don't be mad if your DM is correcting you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> they, ha- they, have, they have that veto button on their side. You know. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's you're right. This rule does say that, but right now. It doesn't yeah. exist. <laughs> and I'm more comfortable doing I'm much more comfortable doing that than Tyler is. Tyler will pretty much always go with the rules. And oh, I yeah. will sometimes just use that veto button and be like, yeah, I'm just gonna do this. Yeah, I'm sorry, you actually do still fall in the vent. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, guys. Well since we've been talking about GMing, let's take a second and uh, let's plug the GM happy hour. So occasionally the four GMs from the failed Fortitude Save Collective, so Southern Tom Foolery, Men Maxed, the Hideous Laughter Podcast, and the Dice Crisis, will host a live stream discussing various topics related to running games and taking listener questions. So they're a lot of fun for me, but I'm curious, Tyler and also Adam, how are you guys liking the format and the discussions so far? And David, what do you think of the meme streams that inevitably follow uh, the show? <laughs> Throw in another picture of a steak yeah. <laughs> in, in the Discord. Raise the stakes. Look at yes, the stakes are high. <laughs> uh, oh, go ahead, Tyler. I'll let you start off. With I, I mean, personally, I love the format. Uh, if there's one thing that I've taken myself from GM Happy Hour that I've actually used to inform the way that I run games is that different perspectives are key in bettering yourself as a GM. And part of that is, you know, playing at another table with a different GM. Some of that is GMing other people. But one thing I don't often get a chance to do is to sit down with other, like, sole GMs, right? With the specific discussion of game mastering. Um, I I just... and I, I, I love the group so much. I mean... Adam and Griff and, and uh, Allard are just an, an absolute pleasure to talk to in any situation. Um, so the fact that we get to share that with people is really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been uh, enlightening, I think, I hope for everybody, but certainly for the four of us, even as we have these discussions, because a lot of the stuff we're saving the discussion for the live stream so we have all a whole list of topics that i know we're all eager to discuss but we don't we don't do it anymore because <laughs> we're saving it for the for the live streams and like so it's always exciting to as, as tyler said to get some different perspectives and 
you end up getting some new tools in your kit to use after getting three different experiences kind of talking about that that thing and then the interaction with the listeners and i mean it's just a good time i mean it it really does feel like we're all sitting around at a bar talking shit getting more and more drunk and, and foolish as we go you know it, it's so much fun to to go back and watch uh the 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 decline if you want to call it that <laughs> uh from the beginning of it down to the end and of course the listener questions are at the end yeah. um and we all rib each other too which is which is fantastic it's yeah. uh yeah I, I don't if nobody's if nobody's listening to it you can go to youtube and check it out the game master happy hour channel but you really got to get in on the Discord, on the Failed Fortitude Save Collective Discords to really experience it. Come and hang out with us and ask the questions and be with us. Yeah, and and to that point, the meme streams. Like I said, David, what do you think about the meme streams, man? <laughs> I know, I love them. <laughs> it's fun. I, I enjoy watching the, uh, the GM Happy Hours and not just waiting for Tyler to name drop me because I'm a egotistical bastard uh but uh <laughs> no, they're, they're so much fun yeah they're great i mean definitely if you can catch them live that is the that is the primary way to listen i think but like tyler mentioned they are on youtube uh if you if you can't make them live so definitely check them out for sure a lot of fun uh, got a quick pivot here if, if you listen to us you know that we're fans of pivoting and um david this question's for you um so I know you're a voiceover artist by profession, and I'm just curious if you could walk us a little through the process of developing a new voice. Um, and then to follow that up, can you just tell us about the process of recording voiceover work as a whole? So uh, you can answer that in either order, which w- whatever makes the most sense. Sure, sure. If I'm developing a new voice just for like our podcast, I'll just try and understand the character and what do I think that character would sound like within the realm of what kind of voices can I do and make sound good and just try and create a personality if i'm doing it for a client um you know i'll work with that author or that um uh, person who's hiring me and try and figure out what they want generally i'll record several um takes of a new character uh with variations and send them to the author and have them send them back to me and say what they like what they didn't like um as far as what i do for voice acting i do audiobooks And if you want to get into it, it's not as hard as you think. There is a website called ACX, uh, and that is owned by Amazon and Audible. And authors put their works up on ACX. You record an audition and send it in. And if they like it, they'll hire you. And that's it. It, You can work very independently, be your own boss, manage your own time. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward. You just have to be able to do it. Sound good. Got to be able to yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that delicious velvety voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, editing. Being able to edit is really important because if you don't know how to edit, then uh, you have to hire out somebody to produce the actual audio book, the audio tracks for you, and then you're, that's really eating into your your profits. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll follow that up to you, Tyler, as you do, GM, I, and you do try to put on voices. What are some of the things that you do? Um, to develop a new character in your voice? Um, well, being that I play primarily from adventure paths, most of the time I'm not you know, coming up with a personality. The personality, to an extent, is delivered to me. Um, 
and I, I like to think of little little quirks that they might have based on their ancestry and that personality. Um, and then I just practice. I, I harass my son and my wife with my voices <laughs> all week long uh, prior to me starting or trying a new one. And uh, they're 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 great. I, you know, my wife does theater work, so she she helps me refine and fine tune any dialects that I'm really screwing up, which happens frequently. Um, yeah, I, I just I love voices, man. I just love doing them. It's you do so a good job, fun. too, Tyler. You do a really do. good job. Well, thank you. All right. So, guys, we have a slew of listener questions to get to, and I want to try to get to as many of them as we can. Oh, my so, God. It's uh, getting late. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, oh, I'm looking, for, to I'm looking forward to more. This. Okay, cool. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, obviously, our communities overlap uh, quite a bit. So, you know, they have uh, some spicy ones <laughs> on deck for you. So, you all ready to get into them? Yeah. yeah, let's do it. All right. So. Our first question today uh, comes from a good friend of the show, uh, Tyler from Min Maxed, and uh, he asked David, David, how are you such a devilishly handsome basement dweller? Well, you know, honestly, it's just all genetics. Uh, I was just born this way, born very handsome. If I weren't such a fat ass, I'd be even more attractive. But, you know, some people are into It'd be the, over for him, they're huh? into <laughs> the, the chubby look. It's, it's fine. It's- I got it going on. It's not really that hard. There's a website that you can go to. It's owned by Amazon. Amazon and Audible. And you just... Oh, man. You know, I, I'm looking at you guys, and you all are so t- such tiny people. I feel like I outweigh the three of you combined, so... <laughs> That's just that's know. just framing, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all the angles, man. We're working the angles. You have no. Uh, you guys haven't met Tyler in person. You don't know how short he really is. I'm actually a pretty small dude, <laughs> and I play with a bunch of giants. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I I calculated it once. Our group's average height is over six three. It's ridiculous. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I play with a bunch of giants. I feel get together. Like Tyler. We, we, yeah, we, that's we with Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. Seriously. Oh, man. All right. All right. Well, I think we've, we've thoroughly covered that one. So the next one comes from our good friend and patron saint of the Paizoverse pod community, Mr. Jason Lillis, who asks, what do y'all look for uh, or what look to as inspiration for sci-fi resources? Do you have any uh, lines that you draw, like, get blank, get that shit out of here? That's not sci-fi at all, anything like that. God no! I'm an I'm an equal opportunity sci-fi sci-fantasy guy. I I don't think I've ever seen anything that I thought no I don't want that in my game. I've only ever seen things that I say I want that in my game. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. absolutely. I don't have any I don't have any specific anything specific I draw. I'm such a fantasy guy at heart that for me I end up drawing a lot of my my idea parallels from fantasy. Still, to be honest with you. <laughs> No right. leather saddles in my science fiction <laughs> game. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've I've actually recently started watching The Expanse. Oh man, it's so, so good! good. Specifically I've because I've never seen it, but I've read the books. I've read. I've read oh the well, books. yeah. Well, then you know what's going on too, David. Don't worry. <laughs> the show does a good job. Does it? Does. I mean, it, the first yeah. season is a little rough, but then it's mm. great. But yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I was reading some of the Expanse books, and uh, I'm really excited. The new, if anybody's familiar with the Bobiverse uh, books, the new one just came out. 
And so, you know, I definitely draw a lot of inspiration from, I, I love sci- sci-fi books. I particularly love sci-fi comedy books. Like, I love mm-hmm. the Red Dwarf books. I love the Hitchhiker's Guide books. Uh, the Bobaverse books are pretty funny, too. So, I literally I, I just say, had somebody position the Bobaverse books to me last night. They're so good. They're so good. They're John's really been fun. talking about those a good bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, one of them just, the next one just released. So, yeah, I... I definitely keep things kind of light. I like humor more than I like serious. Awesome. So here we go. Up next, we have a question from our old pal, Bipolar Pop-Tart. <laughs> uh, he's actually got a few. I had to I had to message him and say, can you narrow down <laughs> which ones that you want like me to 30. actually ask? Because you came up with like 15, dude, and that's just too many. So here we go. Here's his first one. What are your go-to whiskeys, and what weird container do you drink them from? Whiskey, well, David. W- weird. No, it's a Glen Cairn glass is what you drink whiskey from. That's not weird. That's just or what you bowl. do. Or a Go-to whiskeys. Uh, Dalwini 15 uh, is one of my favorite scotches. Um, Lagavulin 16 uh, is mm. one that I always really like. Um, I'm a big fan of Oban Little Bay. Uh, I kind of like uh, a little bit more fruit-forward scotches. Um, I'm a big scotch guy. So uh, those those three, Oban Little Bay, Dalwini 15, and Lagavulin 16, I would say, are my three go-tos. What a classy answer. Tyler, yeah, you yeah. got a go-to whiskey. Yeah, good luck, Tyler. He just knows that I like... He know, BP knows I that like I like Kevin's Hill, a little r uh, I like that wild turkey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get some Elijah Craig going on in here. Uh, I'll I'll answer I'll answer the question in a little bit of a different way than David did. Uh, I like I like my scotches and my whiskeys with a smoky roof to the palate. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I I really like Tomatin. Um, for just an actual just straight whiskey, the uh, I and I I swear every time somebody asks me, I bring it up. Stout edition of the Jameson. No, Jameson. Out edition is wrong. Yeah. so good uh, for just a whiskey. I've got a bottle sitting within two feet of me right now. Um, but uh, Tomatin and then I think Glenlivet 12 is probably one of my favorite scotches. I can't stand Glenlivet 12. <laughs> <laughs> just shaking his head. He's just like, no, no, no. It tastes like burnt rubber tires. <laughs> no, All that's right, the so- smoky. That's, oh, never mind. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> let's let's keep it pushing here. Uh, BPT asks, what is a creature that you would want to take from Pathfinder and give an alien or technological addition to in order to bring it into Starfinder? Ooh, that's a great question. That's a really good question, BP. Um, did it, Bipolar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I, it's I already there, well. but, like, fucking dragons? Like... Mm-hmm. Space dragons, dude. Like, and and it's it's kind of already there, but like, imagine. Oh, it's definitely there. It's there. It's there in Triaxis. But imagine like a a red dragon flying through space, doing space combat with like bionic enhancements for like laser guns and shit on it. With There's a, a dragon spaceship. in the back of um, Aeon Throne in the final book of Aeon Throne. There- you know how they have like, you know, just some extra stuff. And yeah. there's, it's a time dragon. Oh, it's God, fucking crazy! Yes. Like, there's like a whole, like, there's yes. like a whole like awesome. mini adventure that you can do, like written around it, like just kind of some prompts or oh whatever, and a full stat block of this like CR sixteen time dragon. God, that's <laughs> like, so they've, so already, so they've done it. They've already done it. But yeah, that that is so cool. 
I, I think I would like to throw some augmentations onto a hill giant and oh, throw them yeah, into that's Absalon terrifying. Station. Yeah. I just, I, 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 I love the big dopey giants. Hill giants are some of my favorite monsters to throw at people. Um, and just a big dopey one with a laser eye and a big old Doshko sounds like tons of fun. Oh, yeah. That would be fun. All right. So BPT's final question is uh, to Tyler, and he wants to know if you can give him your three worst clown names for his game. <laughs> three worst worst clown names worst clown names um clowny mcclownface <laughs> okay that's pretty okay. bad yeah yep that, that's that's pretty bad uh um floppy tittle t- tittle sticks <laughs> no that's too good that's really good that's floppy too good sticks yeah. floppy tittle sticks yeah. <laughs> uh and then uh mm, bonky crock nubbin Bonky Crock Nevin. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I hope you're happy, BPT. That's a that's a solid selection that Tyler just <laughs> gave you there, Randa. Uh All right. So uh, this next one is from uh, Miss Natasha. Shout out to Nat. And we kind of got into this question a little bit earlier, but she wants to know how many voices are there between you two and which ones scare you the most? <laughs> Well, I would hope the question that the answer to that would be nearly unlimited to try and always try and find the right voice for the right character. So I, it, certainly there's going to be some overlap. A lot of the characters are going to end up sounding the same if there's enough of them. But uh, the scariest ones, I, it never ceases to amaze me. And this is a true story. I first, I'm going to try and tell it really fast. I first met Tyler when we were working in a call center for a certain wireless provider. And they were doing a talent show. And Tyler got up to sing. And I'd never met him before. And they handed him a microphone. And he looked at it and he said, no, nah, I don't need it. And then, like, this heavy metal song came on. And he just, like, screamed at me. And I was sitting, like, in the front <laughs> row. And he just screamed. No microphone. And it was great. And... It never ceases to amaze me that Tyler can do like these super deep growly voices, and every time he does, I'm just like, "Well done, Tyler. That's that's good." My my monster voices are my favorite voices, hands down. Yeah, hands down. Um, I think the one that scares me because I have to try to control it so I don't completely tear my vocal cords. Recently, I did a barcast, and uh, my barcast is growly. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, and I like goblins too. Goblins are fun because it goes in a high register, and you gotta get it scratchy and raspy at the same time. <laughs> Dude, like the the visual of watching Tyler do that, like it's so <laughs> he's not doing anything like crazy, but just that sound coming out of his face is yeah. strange. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, excellent. So uh, the next question comes from another lovely lady, our very own little pink fox, who asked. Who would win in a mud wrestling match, Ronald McDonald or the Hamburglar? Very on point. Oh, the Hamburglar. He's got the Hamburglar. weight advantage. Yeah. By Hamburglar. Hamburglar. Okay. Well, As that's a fat defend, person, defend. I just want to tell you the way you win a fight is you sit on people. And you win. <laughs> All right, LPF. There you go. There's, uh, your burning question has been answered. Um, <laughs> all right, so Allard, the GM of the Dice Crisis, another great FFSC pod, asks Tyler, what do you have against dual classing? Uh, okay, he says dual classing, but what he means is gestalting, which is every level you take all of the stats from two separate classes and combine them together. And Allard, you break the mechanics when you do that, man. Mm-hmm. 
That's it. It's like double the power. Yeah, yeah exactly. How do I how do I balance that? Don't ask me that question. <laughs> oh, he did. Oh, I know. No, but that's my issue with it. I'm I'm at, at the end of the day, game balance is huge for me, which is why I am so hard on getting the rules right as often as possible. Well, if you're doing Gestalt gaming, you as a GM have to do it too for yeah, all absolutely. your you know you have to double the power yeah, of that's all just your... way too much work man come on yeah i just don't yeah. understand it either like yeah. it's like why why would i have to retool every encounter ever <laughs> it's like trying to <laughs> use know? mythic levels from pathfinder first edition just oh god i have so many bad experiences with mythic man you're the one that kept wanting to try and you fool i know that sounds like tyler <laughs> that's why yeah. i wanted to try it to see how it went and it went awfully it went awfully <laughs> all right Albert. there you go so Everyone's favorite contrarian, Commodore, wants to know, Tyler, why are you so bad at Starfinder, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Commodore always asking me the tough questions, man. Yeah. He's 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 that guy. Yeah. Uh, dude, I I love I love talking to Commodore. It's it's fun to have conversations with somebody who you don't agree with uh, most of the time. Uh, why am I dodging bad at the question? Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm bad at Starfinder. Maybe the, I'm going to answer this question t- in two ways. I'm a bad player because yeah, I play really it. not just Starfinder guys. I want to right. assure you, Tyler is bad at every system he's a player <laughs> in. Yeah, absolutely, um, and and it's primarily because when I'm sitting at a table and rolling dice, I put my GM mindset on, and NPCs do stupid things. Player characters don't, but mine do. Um, David's killed so many of my players in the past, or my characters in the past. It's not even fun. It's true. <laughs> See, I have a theory of why you do this. Boy. And, and, it, and it, it part of, you know, being in your GM brain, that's part of it. But, like, I think it's some sort of, and if you forgive me, I'm going to psychoanalyze you here for half a second. I've got but, my theory, too. I want to hear what you say, Dad. I think it's this subconscious thing where you're like, see, player characters aren't so precious. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to throw myself in front of a train because, like, you guys are always bitching about me trying to kill your characters and it shouldn't matter. Like, it's just I'm doing it, you know? And, like... And like, it, it's almost as if you're trying to get a kill, even as a player. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 this, and that's what aggravates it about me. While we're on the subject, and I'm listening to you do it, it's like you're willfully doing a terrible thing, not only for your character, but causing stress on the rest of your party too, because you just want to see what happens when you stare down into the barrel of the abyss. You know, like. You know, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you there, man. I love creating tension at tables. It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I will also say, I think Tyler just does not get as emotionally attached to his characters as the rest of us oh, do. Oh, God, no. no. He's, and, and he's always got these ideas of other characters he wants to build. So, oh, if it dies, okay, now I get to go build another one. Exactly. <laughs> Which is yeah. also, Swanee's a little bit like that, too, but he gets more into his characters than Tyler does. Well, he gets more into his character, and he's way more... He's the most careful party member we have. He's incredible. He is. He is. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. So, <laughs> the famous sentient pickle, Jay Pickle, has a couple of questions for you guys. He asks, as a rules system, what does Starfinder do better than 2E? And conversely, what does 2E do better than Starfinder? Hmm. David, you want to take that one first? You're going to try and make me think of something that Starfinder does better than 2E? I'm, I, I know this is going to sound hyperbolic, but truly I think 2E, for all the systems I've played, which I'm not, you know, don't have a... 
we almost always just play D&D, but I've tried at least a dozen other systems. And I think 2E is easily the best of all the ones I've ever tried. So, uh, to try to think of something that Starfinder does better than 2E. Starship Combat. <laughs> that's a, there, that's a good one. That's go. good, Adam. Go. Yeah, Starship, it does Starship Combat better. That is absolutely the case. You know what? I haven't looked at the chase rules in the uh, Pathfinder 2E core. I don't know. I'm not even sure if they're in there. So that would be one. I love that Starfinder has, like, how to do a vehicle chase, which is so mm-hmm. good. I, I, I was actually going to say Starfinder does vehicles better than 2E does. I've, yeah, read yeah. The, I've read the vehicle rules for 2E, and they fit the 2E system well, right? Um, but there's just a... They're, just oh, not, they're lacking. They're just not a lot yeah, to it. Yeah, they're just not a lot to it. Uh, yeah, I would, much more God, I would out. love to see, like, uh, 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 what was the book in 3.5, the sieges and something, whatever. That they had all the vehicle rules and like how to do like a sailing campaign and how to do like a, a siege campaign. I'd, I'd love to see one of those come out for two years. It's been so long since I've looked at those books, but you know, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, something like that would be really cool. They, they expand on it a little bit in 2E with the Dungeon Mastery Guide or the Game Mastery Guide. Go oh, God. Um, but uh, yeah, vehicles. As far as 2E over Starfinder. Three action systems. Three action system. The uh, the damage escalation um, spells cantrips are better. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, three action system I think is fantastic. Now I I would like to add because I think that yeah go for there it. is a rule. Yeah, you guys know so much more about Starfinder than we do. That I like a lot better, and that is splitting health into HP and yes. stamina. Yes, yes, yes. Yep, I totally agree. Tyler and I have gotten into fights about this. I mean, like, <laughs> as much as we fight about anything. But I yeah, really like I, it. I really like that because I do not like to think of damage as, like, blood and guts and stuff. That's not how it was meant to be. And so having the uh, the stamina points, I, I really like that. Yeah, and I like that stamina is easy to refill and health is a little harder to refill. Yeah, it helps you know. prolong the adventuring day. You know, yes. with being able to to spend a resolve point to to get your stamina back, but you don't you don't automatically get your health back. You know, so you can top your stamina off with still being down on your health, and so that like stretches the adventuring day a little bit, and then you know, kind of raises the stakes, as we like to say <laughs> around here. But it does as much as Starfinder can. Yeah, you know? no, I totally agree. Yeah, you're right, and and I do actually really like how. How star like you you said the one thing I'm gonna um, latch onto there is lengthening out the adventuring day. Um, I I you always want your party to not just turn around and and hightail it back to base because they expended some spell slots and they want to come at it fresh the next day. Um, having that stamina system or in Tui having treat wounds, uh, ex- lengthening out that adventuring day makes for a much more believable adventure. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jay Pickle's follow-up is, if you could import one rule from one system to another, what would you choose and why? Yeah, definitely after uh, that conversation, it's the three actions from Pathfinder 2E. God, I wish that were in Starfinder. Yeah, agree 100%. And, uh, and yeah, the, the stamina points, stamina and resolve from Starfinder, I would I would like to see that in 2E. I think that they put stamina yeah. in the GMG, actually. Is it? Very I, I haven't yeah. read that book, actually. I, I, I have not either. I just happen to know that that was one of the things that they provided alternate rules for. I haven't read them to see how it works, cool. but Tyler, uh, read that. Like, and let me know. I like the game mastery guide. It has those variants. Uh, the stamina variants. I feel like don't quite 
do as well as the Starfinder stamina, and that's only because of the existence of treat wounds in second edition. Hmm. That's just me, though. Heard that. That's fair. All right, great question. Um, so I hope I'm saying his name right, but FL, EFEL, asks, uh, when are those all on the tables coming? First of all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, See, I, will, I will absolutely take the responsibility for that. That's on me. I'm sitting with the files on my computer, and it is mostly just a matter of having <laughs> the time to go through and get them edited, which I just don't. <laughs> I'll, t- yeah. I'll tell you what, man. We had we, we we talked about it earlier. We had to fill that gap once we decided we were doing Extinction Curse over Age of Ashes. We had to fill the gap, and we were like, "Hey, let's let's just you know throw- record a whole bunch of all on the tables." Yeah, we're just gonna throw together some one shot adventures where we just do something for a night. You know, hey, everybody have a fifteenth level character ready for next week because I want to torture you. Um, was my first go at it, and. I, I loved the format so much that I wanted to do it, and it was a way for me to meet other people in the community. Um, and hats off to Heath and Emily for jumping on that with me, first and foremost. I still... Well, I that's, still that's why we know each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cause exactly. Um, and they're, they're coming, FL. At some yeah, point, I, I make no I, promises, so I, they're coming. Benzi, so t- I tried to teach Ted how to edit, and he tried to do one episode of All on the Table and stopped... Uh, but Benzie, I think, has much more determination than uh, Ted does, and he wants to learn, too. So we'll see. We'll see. If he can help me out, we'll try and make it work. Well, FL's follow-up to Tyler's point, he says, How has engaging with the fellow podcasters in the FFSC community improved your shows, and what is one takeaway that you don't think you would have gotten without these interactions? Uh, y'all sustain me. <laughs> I'll say that because, like, getting a chance to to hang out with with not just not just the listeners, but other other people in the community. You know, doing Game Master Happy Hour. Uh, you know, talking with you guys in your Discord or what have you. Um, it's it's just so nice to have people who I see eye to eye with, uh, not necessarily all the time Commodore but you know it's one of those things where it's it's I love yeah player call I I love I love hanging out with you guys and uh I've actually made some of my closest like acquaintances like I'd go as far as to saying that I am friends with people that I've never met in real life before right um yeah I would absolutely call Adam a friend uh you know him and I talk a lot outside of just you know the podcast stuff just about life right um as far as how it affects my games, um, I'm not a fan of the of the the flashback mechanic, not mechanic, uh, literary device. Generally, not a fan of the flashback. Um, I've come around a lot seeing seeing you guys actually deploy it in such a successful way that I'm deploying it in my games to 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 an extent because of how successful you're at. In your games and deploying that strategy. Diddly diddly do, man. Yeah, right. Diddly diddly do. do's, man. You yeah. gotta get on board with the diddly do's. <laughs> David, do you wanna do you wanna speak to that at all? Uh, uh, sure. You, to add? you know, I uh, <clears throat> I don't. I, I mean, I do toot my own horn a lot, but most of the time it's tongue in cheek. Uh, but I do think that when we started doing the podcast, uh, I was really the one that really. I was the one that really wanted to do it. And so it was kind of my vision and how I wanted to do it. And I edit the episodes the way I want it to be. Um, so I take a lot of the creative control over it. And then when Tyler started talking about wanting to do these things where he pulled in these other people and, and did those, I thought, oh, okay, sure, whatever. 
And then once he did it, it's like, damn, this is awesome. Because it really has introduced us to all these other, like yourselves, but just so many cool people who are into the same kind of things we're into. And I'm so thankful to Tyler for doing that because it is just, I mean, yeah, it's just introduced us to great people and helped us grow our podcast as well and meet more people. Yeah, I concur with all that. I, th- I think it's great. It's been um, really awesome seeing how the community grows and everything. Like that. It is, so it's, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It's particularly these like this last year, which is when we've been around, and so much of it has been dominated by the pandemic. To be able to have these online interactions, you know, I don't see anybody like outside, like in real life. Yeah. So, like, my <laughs> entire social fix is this this cool group of people. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. I mean, for real. It. So it's it's. I don't know. It's it's helped kept me sane yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Having having all these communities come together and um, kind of share their mutual love of this hobby and everything like that. Absolutely. All right. So we have one more listener question, and this is a super serious one from a longtime member of the community. It's very aesthetic, serious. Aesthetic. Who asks? Uh, if you had to eat a member of the pod for survival, which one do you hope it is? Spencer? Wait, hold on. Do we have to kill the person, or are we just going to eat them? Like, oh, eat little bits of them? It's The question is open to interpretation, okay. however so, you want to interpret that. I mean, let's be real. Of the MinMax podcast, the ones with the most meat to spare are myself and Ted. So... <laughs> I think if anybody's going to provide a little sustenance to the rest, it could be us. Uh, the rest of these guys are are, are little people. Well, not true, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Swanee's like 6'3". But uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be probably me and Ted. Also, because we are, you know, we eat the things we eat. I'm going to bet that our, our meat tastes really fucking good. Like bacon, like the more fat you got on that, the better right. it is. See, yeah. that's that's the that's the, the the train of thought I was on. I would probably hope it would be Spencer because I know that I know that dude's spicy as hell. That's true. He and eats I, a lot of really spicy food, so he might have some yeah. extra seasoning and flavor. Oh, that's a For good sure. point, just, Tyler. Just I didn't think of that. Yeah, you're just gonna season you're gonna season Ted with Swanee. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> Swanee and Tyler are both so goddamn tiny, there's there is not anything not to go around on this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks to everyone uh, for submitting those listener questions. I thought we had some some pretty good ones this time. I think they're getting better and better uh, yeah. at at just memeing on us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, guys, we're getting we're getting pretty close to the end of this thing, so um, do you guys want to go ahead and like plug the podcast one more time? Like, give us your your final socials thoughts. and everything. Yeah, final thoughts, whatever you got. Uh, sure. I mean, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts uh, at MinMaxed. That's M-N-M-A-X-E-D. Uh, you can go to our website, MinMaxed.com, and you can stream everything from there. If you'd like, you can also get more information, um, such as character backstories, character art, and you can. we've got everything sectioned off into the different things that we do. So check that out. Um, yeah. About it. Yeah, if, you, if you haven't checked us out yet, uh, our big thing is either we, we play the same way we have for years. We really want to make people feel like they're at the table with us. Um, and we we just love sharing. And uh, hopefully, if you haven't checked us out yet, come on down. And if, and if you yeah. want to come hang out with us, we're all very active in our Discord. So if you're a part of the uh, these guys' Discord, then you know, hop on over to ours. We'd love to have you. 
Yeah, Absolutely. I think anybody's listening that's not in the Discord, and I say it every time, what are you doing with your life? Come hang <laughs> yeah. out with us. We're well, actually and, on there. And, and to anybody, any of you, you know, Southern Tom Fuller listeners that have not given MinMax the you know, uh, an opportunity to fill your ears. I, I urge you to, to get on board with that because they're doing a really bang up j- job with extinction curse. And then the, you know, as much shit as I give you, David, you, you're, you're doing well with, uh, with the Starfinder Cause I look forward to that every month. So y'all get on it, check it out. It's great. All right. Well, David, Tyler, thanks so much uh, for coming thank on you. guys. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Let's thank do you. it again sometime. Huh? Yeah. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, and we'll catch you guys next time on STFU.